Hi everyone, it's AML. I wanted to talk a couple of uh, talk about some points related to COVID-19. Um, we have a couple of more episodes down the pipeline. We talked a little bit about treatment, and I hope slash suspect that we will have some updates on treatment at some time soon to follow up on that conversation. Um, one of the topics that I wanted to talk about include is is uh, mainly about health disparities and COVID. There's a lot of information about it recently in the press and it is affecting the communities that we serve. So I think it's important for us to understand some of these things. Um, in general, uh, health disparities seems to be uh, something that has uh, been quite intertwined with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States. Um, I called Dr. Garcia Bedoya, who has some insight on health disparities within our population and specifically our Latino population. Now, what is the state of of inequality with regards to health and health equity um, and the pandemic. Well, in the United States, the first thing to recognize is that most of the deaths that we have seen are in New York. About one in three deaths uh, so far in the United States correspond to the outbreak or to the hotspot um, in New York City, uh, where the brunt of the disease is really um, is, has really been seen. And data in New York City shows that uh, black and Hispanic residents are twice as likely to die from the disease compared to whites. That's twice as likely. This trend is actually also uh, seen in other major cities. Here in Chicago, uh, African-American uh, uh, patients with COVID-19 are five times more likely to die from COVID-19 when compared to white ones. So this is a huge disparity with regards to who is affected um, and, and how, how severely. Um, and of course, there are a lot of reasons uh, behind this, um, which of course comes into uh, a lot of important topics about health disparity. So the, the first thing to recognize is that health disparity is not new. Uh, inequalities between, um, between groups in our society um, have been dramatic. Um, there was a study a few years ago uh, looking specifically at Chicago, and it showed that inequality between African-Americans and, and whites are much, you know, have continued to broaden actually and widen on major indicators like heart disease and stroke and mortality in general. Uh, Latino Chicagoans are uninsured at twice the rate of their black and white counterparts. Um, racial and ethnic disparities persist in infant mortality and low birth weight. Um, outcomes often associated with socioeconomic status and access of prenatal care. So these are disparities that start at birth and continue um, throughout the life of, of some of our patients in some of the various communities that we serve. Uh, specifically, residents on the south and west sides um, live in healthcare provider and pharmacy deserts. So we've heard about food deserts. Um, this is also true for healthcare, where there are less pharmacies and less healthcare providers in some of these communities. Um, some places have no access to either within a half a mile to mile radius. Over 30% of black families, around 25% of Latino families, and less than 10% of white families live below the poverty line. Um, this is data from about 2017. Um, also interestingly, in 1960, the typical white family earned 1.6 and 1.4 times more than the typical black and Latino family. So 1.6, around 1.6 and 1.4 times more. Today, the typical white family earns 2.2 and 1.7 times more than the black and Latino family. So there's a widened um, inequality. And at nearly 20% today, the black unemployment rate is 
over four times the city's uh, white unemployment rate. So this is data um, late into the, the recovery of the Great Recession, um, where unemployment was humongous um, when compared to whites. Uh, and the rate for Latino unemployment was at 10%. So African-American unemployment doubled that of Latinos. And, you know, overall, way above uh, the national average. So these trends uh, have been there and actually have been there for some time. So interesting to see those statistics from 1960. Um, and unfortunately, how the trends... Uh, perhaps have been sustained or even worsened. Um, but this has been in the mind of, of people for some time. And um, here's how Martin Luther King Jr. Um, described it. And it's great how he describes um, how much he's concerned about economic opportunity. Because all of these things are tied to, to, to that. And for example, today, um, being underinsured is associated with um, some of these health disparities. And ultimately, all of this is tied, of course, to employment and all these other things. But Martin Luther King Jr., in um, this interview, uh, talks a little bit about how he's concerned about economic opportunity, but he's, he's pretty inclusive about some of these other communities and mentioned um, economic uh, disparities also uh, within the Latino community. And the economic problem is probably the most serious problem in confronting the Negro community. And I might say the most serious problem in confronting poor people generally. And I don't want to be narrow about this, talking only about the black poor in our country, because I must be concerned about Puerto Ricans who are poor, Mexican-Americans, American Indians, and Appalachian whites. And we are confronting a major depression uh, in the poor community. In his landmark civil rights speech, John F. Kennedy talked a little bit about this as well. Um, and I think it's somewhat relevant because he talks about some of these statistics too. Take a listen. It ought to be possible, in short, for every American to enjoy the privileges of being American without regard to his race, or his color. In short, every American ought to have the right to be treated as he would wish to be treated, as one would wish uh, his children to be treated. But this is not the case. The Negro baby born in America today, regardless of the section of the state in which he is born, has about one half as much chance of completing a high school as a white baby born in the same place on the same day one-third as much chance of completing college, one-third as much chance of becoming a professional man, twice as much chance of becoming unemployed, about one-seventh as much chance of earning $10,000 a year, a life expectancy which is seven years shorter, and the prospects of earning only half as much. So these disparities go way back, and... Um, it's just incredible to see how, uh, you know, two people um, can be born in the same place and just have completely uh, different, um, kind of a different future uh, related to perhaps zip codes and other things. Um, and this discrepancy, this uh, disparity uh, seems to be affecting COVID-19 as well. So this uh, 
of course, all of these things, as I mentioned, statistically, are also associated with access to healthcare and, um, you know, access to to healthy food and all these other uh, determinants uh, as well. And ultimately, there are other factors that might be playing a role with COVID-19. Um, and one of them might be, you know, there are cultural aspects, um, for example, inability to fully social distance related to, you know, the type of work that you do um, and also the type of household that you're in. Uh, but another important one is also pollution. And uh, this one is also associated under the same societal fault lines. Uh, there was a study that showed an actual measurable increase um, in COVID-19 related fatalities um, related to pollution. And one, what, what it found is that merely one microgram per cubic meter of uh, pollution is associated with a 15% increase in COVID-19 fatalities. And this seems to be affecting the same um, group of, uh, of patients that, um, of course, uh, are typically in some of these underserved communities. Um, it's unclear why that happens. And it, it could be that the particles themselves can serve as as some fomite, there is some data to support that, but probably the most important kind of correlation may have to do with with some underlying lung disease that goes undiagnosed. Um, but either way, all of these factors play in, kind of come into play, and um, this could be part of the reason why um, why uh, uh, the mortality seems to be much higher. I mean, in Chicago, we're looking at a five times higher rate for some of these folks. Um, now, another important point that we talked that uh, has been talked about is the difference in counting, uh, whether some of the Hispanic patients are being undercounted. Um, so th this involves some explaining, and um, we briefly mentioned it uh, in our conversation with Dr. Garcia Bedoya. Uh, in general, this data comes from basically how we process um, insurance and Medicare-related uh, information. And there are two categories whenever a patient goes to a hospital and kind of signs up for, for care. Um, one of them is race and another one is ethnicity. Colloquially, we tend to use these things interchangeably, but they really are different things. Um, and race is typically something uh, physical versus ethnicity is something cultural. Uh, that's kind of the easiest way to explain it. So race is, is, is more of how you look and kind of more of a phenotypic thing uh, versus ethnicity has more to do with where you come from and what, what kind of social groups you belong to. Um, and I think Latin American society is kind of the perfect example of, of how complex this can be. Um, in general, um, we are a multiracial society where we have combinations of, of uh, native Indian and black and white uh, and European descent and, um, you know, and different varying degrees of mixtures of this. Um, so with that in mind, you can have a um, Latino person that is white and a Latino person that is black. And that can lead to some of the kind of oddness of counting that if you look at a data set and it shows that, you know, it's say 60% white and 40% black, within that 60% white and within that 40% black, there might be Hispanic or Latinos in, in that number as well. So it can get complicated. And, uh, but yeah, it's interesting how these disparities can affect us. Um, but it's important to note that it's up to us to try to 
figure something out um, it, to try to correct these disparities. And all of you, I think, have are sensitive to this. You work at UIC, and UIC is a place where we try to be very inclusive and very um, kind of very in tune with trying to correct some of these disparities. Um, that speech from John F. Kennedy, I think one of my favorite parts of it is when he mentions that it's a moral issue. It's, a, it's, an, it's really something that we have to do, not because we have to, but because it's, it's the moral thing to do. Um, and here's how he says that. We are confronted primarily with a moral issue. It is as old as the scriptures and is as clear as the American Constitution. The heart of the question is whether all Americans are to be afforded equal rights and equal opportunities, whether we are going to treat our fellow Americans as we want to be treated. It's as old as the scriptures and as clear as the Constitution that we have to bridge these disparities. Um, and this virus has certainly accelerated these disparities and kind of put them in the forefront. Um, so with that, let me connect you with this conversation I had uh, with Dr. Garcia Bedoya. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Just trying to find charts because I just finished COVID-19. Oh. So, so what's your take on kind of the health disparities in our community in general before COVID? And let me um, let me start saying that I want to quote that um, my knowledge is going to be based on the study of Latinos and the Hispanic Community Health Studies. Mm -hmm. um, what is that study? Because I know you have a role in 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 Seoul and and uh, in other other studies that primarily look at our. Hispanic population and other underserved populations. So how did you get involved with that and kind of what's your, what are those studies and what's your role with them? It's a multi-center epidemiological study um, uh, in the Hispanic Latino population. And the, the role is to assess, uh, assess the, the role of acculturation uh, mm -hmm. in the prevalence and development of disease and to identify factors playing a protective or harmful role in the health of the Hispanic Latinos. Gotcha. Uh, the, tar the target population uh, is uh, Iraq because it was 16,000 Latinos, Hispanic Latinos uh, of uh, origin. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, and let me clarify um, Latinos per se, they're not one large group. We know we have different um, backgrounds. But specifically for the Hispanic Community Health Study, um, that we divide or we have a specific populations. And I want to clarify that you cannot call subgroups to the Latinos. There are Latinos with a specific background or Latinos with that um, um, ancestry, but they are not and so this this brings up an important question. Uh, and sorry to interrupt you there, but the, the, you know, there's been a lot of talk about. During the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, approximately a week ago, there was discussion of potential undercounting or just just being just putting uh, uh, Latinx folks in different boxes that might make them difficult to be counted. Um, it, th this sounds similar to what you're talking about, which might be into might fall into the difference between race and ethnicity. 
the reason is um, we have seen um, when we talk about Latinos and for the Hispanic communities of our study, we talk about five um, groups of Latinos. And I will um, come up to your question, but specifically we study Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, and Central and South American. And they were recruited to four field centers that are Miami, San Diego, Chicago, and the Bronx, uh, and New York, um, the Bronx uh, area of New York. Gotcha. Um, so this study, uh, it was from, um, okay. so as you see, it's a longitudinal study, large, large cohort. Um, goal was 4,000 um, like Hispanic Latinos in these major uh, cities. So we have really robust data um, about many uh, variables and many components, not only from demographics, but from the... Um, uh, just the overall health and everything. And this sounds very overall, similar to other major longitudinal studies. And of course, historically, the most important or the most cited one is this big study that is now at its like third or fourth generation of people um, in a small town in Massachusetts called Framingham. And through the Framingham study, we identified uh, certain things that we now consider fact, things like cardiovascular risk factors and so forth. And the problem with Framingham is that it didn't include some of the people that you are included in, in, in your study. So that's why, you know, uh, taking a look at, at different populations is important because what's true for Framingham may not be true for Pilsen. Um, and I think with that, it sounds like you have a great window to tell us a little bit about the health disparities that our Latino community uh, and other underserved communities have. So what are the prevalent diseases and how do they compare with other other groups? So what we have is that cardiovascular disease is among leading causes of death. Associations of major cardiovascular risk factors with cardiovascular disease outcomes are similar to those seen in non-Hispanic whites. Mm -hmm. And the burden of cardiovascular risk and cardiovascular disease may differ among Hispanic Latinos groups. Um, so that's what we have seen. We know is number one cardiovascular disease, number one um, um, or overall in population overall, leading cause of death, but as well is a major uh, burden to Latino Hispanics. How's everything from uh, obesity and diabetes and other uh, issues that we can connect with uh, COVID? Correct. Uh, well, uh, if we go through the literature, and COVID is a new, is, is, as we learn more about the disease, and if we go read the literature that came from Wuhan and from other um, sites, uh, we have seen that the high risk is in cardiovascular disease. Um, we have seen that um, JAMA reported, I think it was in early February, a report about Wuhan, and the highest um, incidence of COVID-19 was, uh, was in patients with cardiovascular disease, follow-up uh, by diabetes and obesity. And I think there was a mention about uh, cancer as well. Yeah. But we're seeing the same. If we if we um, connect these, what we have, these reports of COVID-19 with actually what's happening with the population of the Hispanic Latino groups in our, um, in our country, they have the same risk factors as well. As I mentioned, 
cardiovascular disease is a high burden disease for the Latino um, Hispanic uh, population. So um, as well, we see the prevalence of um, of uh, hypercholesterolemia in mm-hmm. the Hispanic Latinos. Uh, we have comprehensive data that the pre- um, that the prevalence. Um, is high as well, and it changes yeah. um, depending on the Hispanic Latino group. For example, we have the Central American men, they have the higher incidence of hypercholesterolemia compared with women uh, from a Puerto Rican background, but they have the highest incidence of hypercholesterolemia. Um, That's interesting, yeah. Uh, and, and it is interesting how Latin America is such a heterogeneous group of people um, with, uh, you know, Similar backgrounds, but but really heterogeneous from a from a genetic and and overall standpoint. Absolutely, um, it is. And, and uh, when you talk about uh, Latinos, as I mentioned, is not only the background, but um, is acculturation has a lot to do with that. Uh, we're talking about um, just immigrants versus first generation versus second generation here that that makes a little bit more uh, diverse group of uh, Hispanic Latinos. So those are um, um, factors that we need to take in account when we talk about any incidence of disease and uh, uh, prevalence of any kind of disease as well. And I don't know if we have an answer to this, but are there any cultural uh, uh, issues that might be playing a role with inability to social distance, and this could be socioeconomic as well. For example, we know that uh, uh, certain essential workers are primarily minority groups, um, and that might play a role into how they're disproportionately affected as we continue to progress in this surge. And, you know, I, I feel this in my own friends that I think quarantine... Um, how we quarantine and how we and what we can do when we're quarantined really, really has class dimensions as well. But what um do do you, do you have any insight on on any sort of cultural or socioeconomic thing that you think might affect our our ability to distance or our ability to to separate ourselves and therefore increase our risk from acquiring COVID? Well, what we know is, um, is, is based on uh, what we have seen with epidemiological studies is um, the Latinos is that um, 